Hi, and welcome to this month's Dharma Things podcast. We've had a little break over Christmas, so we're back with season two. Sounds like we've been booked again by a wonderful producer, but we've not. It's just me and my wonderful guests. Um, Kicking off this year with a guest called Banks. Now, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So Banks Gary Campbell. I know why that came about, but it might sound a little strange to you, but we'll talk to her about that. Um, And hopefully this conversation can lead you into some inspiration. She's an incredibly inspirational woman um, and her job, if you want to call it a job, is being a life coach, guide, a motivational person um much more than just a fitness expert just a fitness expert sorry to all the fitness experts i know um but yeah say hello banks how are you hello i'm wonderful how are you good good i'm so sorry that my dog has chosen this particular moment to dive into his food so if you can hear that in the background (laughs) i apologize interruption from my cat so this this is dharma and pets today (laughs) (laughs) so how are you I'm doing really well I'm thriving and abundant yeah yep okay fantastic and tell us about tell us about the name Banks because people might be wondering about that initially yeah so I started a blog back in about 2007 I want to say and in my quest to find something to name it I ended up calling it Bangs and a Bum. And that's because uh, I was living in Tokyo uh, around, I think, 2005, 2006. And the summers in Tokyo are insanely hot and humid, really, really gross. Nobody could ever prepare you for it. (laughs) And I have very long hair. And at the time I had um, a fringe or bangs as... um, North Americans call them. And my, my roommate was Canadian. And uh, when it would be really hot on these summer days, I couldn't, if I were to wear my hair down, I would just cover the city in a ball of frizz. So um, I would wear my hair up in a bun. And my roommate would always say, Oh, she's got her bangs and a bun on. Like, you know, she means business. This is serious. Okay. And, um, so it kind of came from that. Um, And also I'm just a fan of alliteration. um, So I liked the sound of it. And, um, you know, bangs and a bun being a hairstyle, my blog had absolutely nothing to do with hair. So none of it really made sense to be quite honest with you. (laughs) But um, I also have just my, my real birth given name is long and complicated and Irish and is spelt very strangely. And so nobody can ever pronounce it. I love my name, my name's Mirren which is spelled M-U-I-R-E-A-N-N. Irish people listening will pronounce it Warren. Um, And so it doesn't make a lot of sense because Irish people, we just like to throw a lot of vowels in unnecessary places. (laughs) Um, And so for my whole life, really, I've always, I've been on that thing of, you say your name and then you just automatically spell it for people. And then you realize that's not helping the situation because it makes, there's no correlation between the spelling and the pronunciation. And it's like, I've just spent so much of my life having that conversation and I love my name, but I hate when people mispronounce it. Um, And I found that through the blog, people just kind of started naturally calling me bangs, um, which happened fairly early on. And I thought, actually, that 
solves a lot of problems for me, you know, and um, it just made things a lot kind of quicker and easier. And, and especially once I got into fitness and started teaching, if I were to put my birth name on a schedule, like the variations of pronunciation that would happen with that would really hurt my soul. So I just was like, <laughs> bangs it's fine so I'm used to that now and um and now I'm kind of it's weird because I, I I'm quite protective over my birth name and I feel a bit funny about like people who don't really know me if they find out what my name is and they refer to me as that I'm like oh I don't like that I haven't given you permission right. to it's kind yeah. of like for my for my parents and like my old school friends who've known me pre-blog you know what I mean like those are the people yeah. who call me that um but people who meet me now I think that some people kind of like to see it as like oh I've done some research on you and I can I'm going to refer to you as this and I'm like I didn't invite you to do that but thank you um, <laughs> so, yeah. it's just it's easier it started as a sort of self-preservation thing like you said for your own sanity and yeah. to stop getting angry at people for mispronunciation but yeah. now it's actually it's become part of I guess what happens with these separate identities because you're in a very public position as a writer as a teacher and your huge online presence. And it's as though you can separate that from, like you said, your family, your personal life and things. So it's as though the name is your performance name in a sense. Yeah, a little bit like that. Yeah, it's weird because I, I, I think about that a lot, uh, you know, is this a different part of my personality or something? And I don't think it is. I think like me behind closed doors is the same me that's out there in the world, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that there's, if I'm being honest, there's probably an element of that where I, you know, I definitely channel a bit of a kind of like bangs energy at certain times when I kind of need to like hustle and get it together, you know? <laughs> so yeah. I think there's an element of that for sure. Yeah. 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 So what is this life journey? I mean, I read, um, <laughs> I've read up loads on the things that you do and I get your, 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 um, newsletter which we'll come back to talking about the newsletter but on your website it says that you're consulting life coaching you're the, you're a spin instructor can we call it spin is it allowed to are we allowed to call it spin because yeah. it's much more exciting than spin really it is much more exciting than that yeah but I think for people to get it on a base level understanding of like what I do I um do a lot of things for people on stationary bikes I take you a lot of places without going anywhere you know <laughs> absolutely and from what I see from like the things that you post on your Instagram and for anyone listening like you've got to you've got to connect with bangs on on Instagram there's so much motivation there and just so much fun I love it um but yeah your classes are pretty awesome and they encompass all of this life coaching kind of vibe as well don't they so how did you arrive in what what you do now after being living in 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 Tokyo or even previous to that because as we can tell you from England but how have you got to where you are now in a nutshell okay. <laughs> oh how do I condense it to a nutshell wow okay um, it could be a then okay <laughs> yeah so well I started out as a writer and was back in the day from from fresh out of university kind of was working initially in like music journalism and stuff and I lived in New York for a bit and then I moved to Tokyo and taught English um, but was still kind of had my eyes on like ultimately magazines I was a real magazine junkie back in the day and literally just kind of stockpiled them you know and um, collected them and just had a real reverence for magazines and wanted to work in them and um 
eventually moved back to London and, and did a bit of work in magazines. But frankly, it was always a struggle. Right. And then I then I started my blog and thought that would be the thing. And so I, was, I think I, I was quite an early adopter on the on the blogging thing, um, starting mine in 2007 and kind of had. I guess back in those days would have been considered a bit of an influencer, not of the scale of, you know, people who are considered influencers now with like millions of followers and all of that. But for at the time and, and what it was becoming, um, I managed to kind of get a bit of traction with that. But because it was all so new, figuring out how to make a career out of it, et cetera, Lord knows I tried for years and it was just an excessive struggle story, essentially, you know, just <laughs> never really seemed to get anywhere too far looked a lot better online than it was in reality you know in terms of just trying to survive on that um through the course of that I got into running I'd been a couch potato for well really the whole of my 20s to be honest um, <laughs> and it was it had reached the point where I was getting winded going up a flight of stairs at age 29 you know which I was like that's probably not what should be happening um and so I kind of resolved to try and get a bit more active. Uh, that led me to start running, which kind of coincided with the blog because I was on the radar of a lot of PR people, et cetera, on the time at the time who asked me to, you know, run half marathons and blog about it. And also all of this kind of thing. And I kind of became like pre-fitness influencer. I, uh, for a period of time there, became like the go-to girl for all things running online, right? Um, and so kind of by accident, really, I just kind of got thrust into the fitness world. Um, not, it was really by accident. I had no idea what I was doing. I'm just a chick who likes to run, you know, and all of a sudden everybody's asking me all these questions about it, like I'm an expert. And I'm like, I don't know, put one foot in front of the other and try and do it a little bit quicker each time. I don't know. Um, so... <laughs> That's kind of how I initially got into fitness. And essentially what started happening was lots of people were seeing what I was doing online and saying, how can I train with you? And I was like, uh, I don't know, you know, and I kind of, I started putting together teams of women to run half marathons. So they, you know, I did, I think about three different groups. Um, we did the Paris half marathon, Berlin half marathon, and one in London. Um, and there'd be women from all over the country and we kind of would just kind of collectively chat about it online and come up with training programs and I'd keep them motivated and give them advice and stuff like that. But again, not an expert. I'm just a chick who likes to run and because and other people were expressing interest in it and I knew how running was making me feel, right? It was, it had really been very transformative for me. Yeah. It turned my mindset and my outlook on life and the, the discipline involved in it was kind of permeating out through everything else in my life, right? So it had really kind of changed everything for me. And I think I just genuinely wanted everyone else to have that feeling, you know, it had done so much for me um, that I didn't want to say to these women who were approaching me saying like, essentially, how can I get a bit of what you've got here? Um, I didn't want to say like, I don't know, figure it out. You know, I just was like, well, we'll figure it out together. Come on and join me and let's do some running together. So I did a bit of that. And then eventually um, through my writing, I ended up um, do, writing the newsletters for a spin studio in London called Boom Cycle, 
who had one spin studio at the time that I met the owners and they were about to open a second one. And um, I just kind of, it was right place, right time. Um, I got in there and I was writing the newsletters and I was in the studio one day, just as they'd opened the second one. And I was kind of listening from, from outside the door to somebody delivering a class. And I just thought, do you know, I think I could probably do that. And, uh, <laughs> and I mentioned it to the owner. I said, if I was to ask you to train as a spin instructor, like, do you think I could do it? And she said, oh, thank God, I was hoping you'd ask, you know? So she kind of trained me really quickly. Um, and I got on the schedule, like, really quite soon after they'd opened that studio. So I kind of felt like, and still do a little bit, feel like that studio was my baby in a way, you know, because I I was really the, the first person to, to get trained up um, in this style that they teach there now. Um, and I just, I was going through, again, a, a very kind of transformational time in my life. I'd just gone through a big relationship breakup and was, you know, just kind of trying to rebuild my life and find my feet and still writing and trying to make that work. But again, struggling to kind of get any traction and make it uh, something that I could really make a living out of that would support me. And I just had a, a bit of an epiphany of like, stop fighting for things that are fighting against you, right? And just go where your energy flows. And at that time with everything that was going on emotionally for me, my energy was just flowing into the spin studio. And I just thought, I don't just wanna be good at this thing. I wanna be freaking exceptional at it. And I just kind of made a resolution with myself to just go with where that energy is flowing put all my energy into that and get really freaking good at it. Um, and arguably that's what happened. <laughs> um, yeah. I, kind of, I really just worked on it as a craft and, um, you know, was teaching seven sold out classes a week and connected with all these incredible people and ended up training the whole instructor team. And my role um, there really grew um, to me. Yeah. Managing that, that whole team. Um, and I just absolutely fell in love with it. And it sounds really hyperbolic to say, but this this kind of work, and I'm sure you probably feel the same as, as a yoga teacher, um, it's not a job, it's a calling, you know? Mm. And, and I feel that really deeply that once I got into this work, it I just felt like, oh, I've come home to myself, you know? Mm -hmm. This is absolutely what I should be doing. And it completely caught me by surprise. Never when I was... 20 could you have told me I'd be doing this with my life right now you know it's insane I never would have thought that but um, yeah. it's been a journey and here I am yeah so it was completely by chance basically that you ended up there and like you said it's just a case of making that resolution to stop fighting the things that land on your plate really yeah yeah absolutely absolutely I yeah. mean I think a lot of it is to do with, with the labels that we like to give ourselves to, right? Because I had held on to the label of writer for so long and I felt like, oh, that, that makes me interesting, I think, on some kind of level. It was very, it was quite driven by ego, I think, you know, just like, yeah. that labels me as a creative, interesting person. And yeah. it's very weird when I think on that now. And, and, and I had a conversation with, with my dad one day, I remember, and him just being like, you know, you can be more than one thing, which seems really obvious, but I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can be. No, so I it's like, just because I'm doing the spin instructing doesn't mean I'm no longer a writer, right? I, I still do that. I still feel I have a degree of talent in it. Um, but the reality was 
in my soul, my energy was flowing in this other direction at that time. So what's the purpose in fighting that? Right. Mm -hmm. when it's like everything in you is saying, like, go do this thing and just get really good at it. Just if it makes you feel good, just be there and yeah. sit with it and explore it. You know, you yeah. kind of you owe that to yourself. You have to honor those feelings in yourself. Um, and sure enough, once I did that, everything else started to flow into place. Elle magazine contacted me and asked me to be their fitness editor. I couldn't I would not have got that for years. I was like, I'm a writer. I'm a writer. I'm a writer. <laughs> Elle had no interest in me. And then the second my energy flows into something and it changes your whole state of being, right? And yeah. I feel like people, it shows when you're in that space energetically where you're just aligned and you're in tune with your purpose and what you're meant to be doing, it just radiates off you and it attracts people. And it's like the second I got into that kind of space, L magazine comes calling, get a book deal. Like all, all of the writing stuff started to happen after that. But it turns out I needed to be in fitness because fitness was the thing I was meant to be writing about, right? And yeah. the fitness and what it does for you and mentally, essentially, um, and the way that it can transform your whole life, that was the material. I wouldn't have known that until I got into fitness, right? And found found my way into it. So yeah, it's it's weird the the twists and turns that your life journey can take but you've just got to trust it and go with it even when you don't really understand it in the moment just go with it and then it leads somewhere and you're like oh okay I quite like it here I'm quite glad that this was the destination yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely and I guess when you're when you are writing I mean I've I've done a bit of writing in my past as well also coming from a music journalism background and you write better when it's something that you're passionate about. And, um, you, you, you know, you can be more eloquent. You can be more, I don't know, controversial and, and honest, really, when you're writing about something that actually means something. If you're constantly trying to write something about, I don't know, a product, a piece of music, whatever it is, that doesn't really mean a lot. You can be factual, you know, you can give all the basics. Yes, this lipstick works. It's this color. It's not as good as the other one or whatever, but it's not really making cutting edge journalism, is it, that people are gonna chase you for? And as soon as you've got something that that you are putting your heart and soul into, if they know that you've got the skills to write about that, it kind of makes sense that they've all come knocking at your door after that, really. Oh, absolutely, I, fe I felt like I'd spent a lot of time in my life just kind of waiting around for inspiration to hit, with, mm. with, you know, or, or kind of, writing about things because I fe really felt like I have to write something and especially when you have a blog you, you're trying to get into a rhythm and and if you want people to read it you know especially in the early days of uh, of blogging all the advice was you know to blog a certain number of times so for, there was when I first started I was blogging five days a week um right <laughs> literally nobody reading it but like my parents you know and maybe somebody <laughs> who like fell fell upon it by accident after a wayward google search you know um but uh, but that in fairness got me into a really good practice right of like just and and i i believe that when you when you have a passion um i'll say to people all the time are you willing to do it when no one's watching are you going to mm -hmm. put the work and the time in when yeah. there's no audience, when no one's giving you the praise, when no one's clapping for you, when it's just you screaming into a void, do you still feel the passion for it then? Are you still yeah. willing to do 
then. And that taught me that, yes, I absolutely do, actually, because I did it for two years before anybody really started paying attention to it. And I did it religiously. Monday to Friday, I wrote about something. And it got me into a good practice of just finding something to write about. When I looked back on that years later, I was like, oh, those the early blog posts were, you know, 70% trash, a lot of them, you know, just like, just... <laughs> a fight to get words out. Um, yeah. But it was, it was training really, you know, it just got, it got me into training my mind to get into that space of like finding something to write about. Um, but then the reality is it comes much easier when there's a, a fire in you. Um, that's a, a passion and a spark of mm. something that you could, what I, what I do for a living now, I could wax lyrical about it all day every day you know I love it and so it's not a struggle for me now to to write about that because it's just always kind of on there's always a different way for me to think about it and what do you love about what you do I mean you know we've we've got the understanding that you're taking spin classes but what is it that's so powerful about these classes that you do well, a couple of things. I think that the atmosphere itself, um, I'm lucky in that both Boom Cycle, where I taught in London and here where I'm teaching in, in Nova Scotia, a studio called um, Rival, um, it's it's the atmosphere of the studio. So first of all, it's, it's a dark room. Um, we have kind of a, a lighting system where you can make it very kind of moody and atmospheric. <laughs> big booming sound system. And so when you're in that space, it kind of, it almost feels like womb-like, you know what I mean? You're kind of in this kind of dark um, <laughs> space um, with big, loud music pumping. And so just energetically already, it takes you into a different space, right? Um, I'm very methodical and tactical about the way that I use music um, and the <laughs> journey I take you on in that. I spend a lot of time um, making playlists um, and there's a real method to the madness of where I'm trying to take you uh, physically and athletically, of course. But I think what separates my rides and makes them a bit different and what I'm told consistently is that my rides are like therapy. So I care about you moving your body, of course, but I care more about you having a mental and emotional release. And I realized over the years, just from the amount of riders who've told me, you know, this is the one time a week where it's just me and I just kind of get to let all my feelings out. And I think there's something about being in that kind of space, at Rival in particular, we have no mirrors in there. We don't care about, it's not about how you look. That's definitely not our focus. And I think people really appreciate that about the space too, right? There's no, um, there's no, uh, kind of air of fanciness about it it's mm -hmm. just come as you are and focus on the sweat um and it just takes you into a space where no one's looking at you no one's judging you you just get to vibe out to the tunes and go so my playlists will be all over the place from you know some i'll take you from like grime to Phil Collins in the next track, to Wu-Tang Clan in the next track. Like it's all over the place. Um, but then, you know, then I'll take you to a track that is really quite deliberately very emotional because I want to guide you into that space. And there is something about the room itself and the way that I coach where I'm very vulnerable in my own 
coaching. Um, and in vulnerability, I mean, sure, absolutely, kind of wearing my heart on my sleeve, but also if I like a tune, you freaking know it, right? Um, I have a dance background and I love music and I love to move and I love to dance. And so I'll act like a straight lunatic on the bike. But if me doing that guides you to a place where you feel like, oh, I can let loose too. And if she's whooping it up and dancing, I can do that too. That's what I'm trying to get you to, right? It, to to yeah. this feeling of freedom and release and just being uninhibited, right? Because we... Yeah. As we move through our daily lives, especially as women, there's so much judgment on us all the time. And we feel we have to live up to various societal ideals. And I just want to take you to a space where it's like, you don't need to be pretty in here. Nobody gives a shit what you look like. Excuse me for swearing. Um, nobody gives a shit. <laughs> this is, you know, this is a space where you are literally free to come as you are. You are embraced. Yeah. Here, you are welcomed here and I want you to get to a space where you lose your shit you know I had a rider um, message me on Instagram yesterday actually there's always a track in every playlist where I turn the lights out completely and I always deliberately pick a song that's quite emotional in that mm -hmm. moment um, and I'll ask people to kind of close their eyes and feel into it and just you know ride the bike and go with what they feel in that moment if there's a lyric in the song that I can use to kind of speak about what I want them to think about great even better um and I I can't even remember the song that I'd played in this particular moment but the rider messaged me the next day and he said um I didn't realize it until after the ride but I bawled my eyes out during that track where you turned the lights out um because oh I'm getting emotional talking about now um he said my, my best friend um died two years ago of cancer and that the anniversary of it is coming up and when you invited us to just kind of feel into it I guess that's what came up for me um and I just I just became really overwhelmed with it and I just wanted to say thank you for providing a space where I can do that wow there's no better compliment right like where else would he have had the the space to be able to do that in his life. Perhaps he does, but the fact that he felt safe in that space, um, yeah. surrounded by people, um, I think is really invaluable. And, and that's what I love about Teach and Spin. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That was a really long answer, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought that creating something like that would have such an emotional release for people? But like you said, it's about giving them a safe space to be in. Um, even the, whether that's a dark room with no mirrors, you know, sometimes people, when they're in that darkness, it's just, you know, no one can see me, like you said, just be whatever you are. I must admit, being a yoga teacher is kind of, I'm quite envious of this because in the yoga world, we've constantly got this narrative about, you know, self-awareness, letting go of the labels, don't have any ego, be whatever you are, et cetera, et cetera. And I must admit, I find it quite difficult to give people the opportunity to do that in a yoga studio because mm. I feel like it's all very much a narrative. And sorry to anyone that's listening that knows my classes, but if you do know my classes, I really try and channel a little bit of what you do as much as I can. I like to get involved in the classes, but you know, it's yoga. I can't push it. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but I like to get involved in the classes. I like to have good music on. I like everybody to smile and laugh and be a little energetic. I really enjoy teaching my Monday night intermediate classes because everybody's just in there and they do it. And we repeat the sequence and it really kind of cultivates that sort of energy that you've got. And I haven't had any kind of, you know, revelations like you have in yours, but I know that everyone really enjoys it. And, and a lot of people find a release in the classes if you can do that. And sometimes I feel like yoga sort of goes through the motions, even though that is the practice where you're supposed to give people the space. You're supposed to give people the opportunity to let go and to dive into their feelings that we just don't actually do it. So I'm a little bit envious of your ride classes when are you when are you going to branch out into the world and like go global with I've asked you this before but it seems like it's something that everybody needs doing spin classes in the gym just isn't the same oh it's but not it's definitely not you know and I think that's um when I got into spin and and quite honestly I think I'd been to maybe one spin class before I found boom cycle right so it was not part of my exercise routine at all I really had just been very into running before that uh, before I found it and then so my kind of sole experience of spinning has been in this kind of boutique studio environment mm. and I think maybe twice in my life now I've gone to a spin class at a regular gym and I'm like is this is what hell is this is what hell looks like okay yeah get it um just completely not the same experience right yeah yeah so i i think it's it's interesting when you meet people who like oh yeah i spin all the time and like where oh virgin active and i think no you don't then respectfully <laughs> you don't it's not fun like come spin with me come spin at boom cycle come spin at rival wherever you know like um i could suggest a bunch of studios go like i know so many spin instructors obviously and um, I just think to get the best experience because everybody uh, on a, in the boutique fitness world anyway, boutique studio world, um, there's always kind of a, a USP, right, of what they're doing and what they're trying to create. And I think ultimately it's a variation on what I've just discussed there of what I'm trying to, to do with my classes. I'm sure every spin instructor is trying to have their own, they have their own version of that, right, whatever they're wherever they feel they channel their power best, they're giving their riders that kind of experience. And, uh, and I don't think it can be recreated in a corporate gym environment with fluorescent lights and no, you know, no. the same playlist that they play for a year at a time, which I've heard is quite routine at those kind of big gyms, which nothing could be worse to me as an instructor. Yeah, um, yeah it, takes, it takes time. Um, and I think I have to say, like when... When I first started, you know, I look back now and probably my, my first year and a half, two years of teaching really were really led by ego um, when I think about it now. And, and it wasn't until I kind of let go of that and was like, oh yeah, it's about them. It's about the room and tried to, uh, you know, I, I say all the time, probably about 70% of the music that I play in, in any given playlist it's not music that I would listen to on my downtime, right? But it works in that room. And I know that it might connect with people in that room. Um, yeah. As an example, uh, there was one time at Boom Cycle, I had a regular rider there who's probably well into his 50s. Um, and, 
you know, not much of a talker. He'd come in and I'd see him, you know, two, three times a week and it'd really just be pleasantries and, you know, I'd try and make conversation. But he was just a quiet man, you know, and um, really lovely, but just not much conversation there. And anyway, in, in one of my rides, I played um, Upside Down by Diana Ross, which I, I love that tune. And it's just a really good vibe. Um, and I, I love disco music. So I just was kind of having a little vibe to it myself in the class. And afterwards he came out and he came up to me and said, oh, I absolutely loved that you played that track. That was the first record I bought on vinyl when I was a teenager. And, oh. You know, and that was like such a touching moment that like this guy in his 50s who's in this room working out with a bunch of chicks in their 20s in their sports bras and stuff, you know, but he, which never deterred him. He just was like, He's having his own workout and he's fine with it. And I just thought it just completely reframed the class for me to think in that moment, he was thinking about being a teenager and thinking about going to the record shop and buying that for the first time and all the memories that he would have had around that. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm really big on um, playing music of different genres and different eras for that exact reason, right? Because it's not unusual for me to have a person in the class who's in their 50s or 60s. So yeah, absolutely, I'm going to throw on some Fleetwood Mac. I'm going to throw on some Rolling Stones. I'm going, you know, because um, I'm obviously very close to my parents and they've got great taste in music, quite frankly. And so I've grown up with all these this amazing music. And so it's not a stretch for me um, to, to dig into those kind of genres. Um, yeah. And it's a bit of a signal to, to those people in the room to say like, hey, you're, I know you're here and I see you and this is for you. It's a little kind of, you know, without actually explicitly having to say it, um, without question, whenever I've done that, the older person in the room will say something to me afterwards of like, oh, I love that you played that, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's a very cool job that you kind of get to be like part DJ as well, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. I try and be DJ sometimes in, in the yoga classes, but um not the done thing is it you know for me to be blasting out some reggae in a yoga <laughs> class <laughs> I said to me the other day when we were getting ready for class I had some um I think I got my new year's eve playlist on which was full of all sorts of things and and like some on vogue and the strokes and different things from your sort of noughties and uh someone was like do you realize what's playing in there while people are putting their mats out yeah good it was a friday night class it gives them a bit of a boost you know it's after work they come in 5 p.m do a class da, da, da. you know we need a bit of energy in this space instead of everybody being so damn serious yeah so i'm a maybe i'll become a, a spin instructor and we can open a studio here in copenhagen let it Play out let out this other side <laughs> of yourself yeah <laughs> so coming back to your writing though yeah um, you have um, a book that you wrote and you have your newsletter now as well, The Murmuration. And um, I haven't read your book. I'm really sorry. I haven't read That's the book. Okay. I apologize. Quite. <laughs> <laughs> but newsletters and um, you write some really inspiring stuff. Oh, okay. um, it's only small. You don't go on a lot, but yeah. you a few boom little snippets in there that just make your mind say oh right okay well maybe I need to do that then maybe yeah. I need to like that and it's all directed to um women over 30 yeah over 30 35 yeah yeah 
Yeah. And and that's because you're that age. But why did you think it was a necessity to specifically direct it to them? Well, just as I get older, uh, I just turned uh, 40 last year. And as I get older, I find that there's issues that, are, that affect us now at this kind of age that aren't really talked about in like a meaningful way. So um, in, in like mainstream media. So, you know, um, I, I, when I first started the newsletter, I dug into infertility. Um, I personally have never, never wanted kids or tried for children, but obviously at this age now, it, pretty much from, in my case anyway, from like my early thirties, that's the conversation in any female friendship group right is like you know people are getting married people are having kids um there's people who obviously are struggling to have kids and feel like they can't have this conversation um, mm-hmm. and it's so nuanced and there's so much to it um and and as a woman who has never wanted children there's a taboo in that and um and that's been kind of uh weird to talk about over the years with you know people very close to me saying you'll change your mind and it's just like actually no I really won't um Mm. uh, but you think I will because you are programmed to believe that this is what I absolutely should want as a woman right so all of these things I just find really interesting from from that and that and now especially right now I'm thinking a lot about menopause um I'm not there yet I know that and I'm you know a fair few years off it myself but um, this is something that we don't, we're not communicated with mm-hmm. about it at all until it happens, it seems, right? From the women who are older than me, who I'm watching go through it now, nothing is really talked about. You know, doctors aren't calling you into the doctor's office two years before you might, you know, become perimenopausal and say, hey, here's what to expect. There's not really a dialogue about it. And mm-hmm. I just think like, hey, wouldn't it be good if we can just have these open conversations for women who are like from 35 onwards so we can be prepared and we can just talk about it really openly and honestly. Um, yeah. And I wanted to do it as a newsletter. I kind of, obviously I had my, my blog for years. Then I, I, once I'd done my book, I kind of was like, I think I'm out of words. I think I've used them all. Um, and I don't really know if I have anything else to say. Um, and I also just, the, the nature of the beast and the way that the online community has changed over the years. Um, frankly, it's not a nice space to be, right? Um, when you have a blog and, and in fairness, it hadn't happened to me for, for a number of years, but you know, it's definitely a period as a blogger where you're, you're being attacked and, you know, you're getting all sorts of nasty comments and things. Again, I hadn't had it for a number of years before I quit my blog, but, but I'd gone through a period of it. Um, and as I was thinking about doing a newsletter um, or, or thinking about really the types of things I wanted to write about, I thought, I don't really want them in the public sphere. I want it to be kind of a private, intimate community that people opt into. Um, and, and quite frankly, I, I don't want the opinions of men <laughs> in this case, you know, if I'm being quite honest. Um, and I feel that if I'd put these things out online on a blog, without question, there's gonna be men in the comment section telling us how we should think and feel about this issue and telling us we're wrong. Or whatever. And I just thought, I actually, your opinion is not, 
respectfully, it's not wanted or needed here. This is a space for women and people who identify as women. Um, and so I, I made the decision to do it as a newsletter. Um, mm -hmm. So I do two newsletters a week and there's uh, on Monday, that's the, the paid version. So that sits behind a paywall. Um, and that's where I tend to have these kind of more in-depth discussions um, about kind of the, the bigger issues. Um, and then on the Thursday one, it's a bit more lighthearted, a bit more playful, and just is a bit of a gateway to hopefully getting you to sign up to, to the paid version where um, I, I perhaps post a bit more kind of thought-provoking content. Mm -hmm. Still, you know, has lighthearted and playful elements in that too. Of course, it's not like super serious because I'm just yeah. not really super serious person, but um, I've, I've found that is uh, a really nice outlet for me as a, as a writer um, and a definite, I'm definitely glad that I'm doing that over blogging now. It feels like a much more kind of organic and natural space to be in. Yeah. I love that even in the writing world, you're, you're creating a safe space for women to feel confident to read about that stuff, look at that stuff, because like you said, very much in this online world, there are an awful lot of trolls out there there are an awful lot of bitchy men and women, particularly around these subjects. And for you as a writer, sitting and get, getting that constant negative feedback must be a little soul destroying after all this time. But also you need to make sure that the people that are reading what you're putting out there aren't like put off by reading all that trolling kind of stuff really. So it's fantastic that you're creating a, a safe space for that to happen. But don't you think that these conversations do really need to be out in the mainstream more? I do. Yeah, I do. I, I just think um, where, where I'm at right now, I'm about um, community and yeah. intimacy. And yeah wanting to and I and I think a lot of other people are in that space of craving that too right because in this vast online world it can often feel like we're just kind of out in the middle of an ocean swimming by ourselves so I guess I absolutely agree these conversations do need to be had in a more public sphere mm. but I think for, for me what I was trying to create was like bit more of an intimacy I kind of wanted it to feel like a bit of a grown-up sleepover you know like where yeah. we could just kind of like sit around in our pjs and like shoot the shit yeah. about this stuff um and so that's kind of the environment that I wanted to create with it and I feel like hopefully there's more kind of mainstream publications who can do it do these kind of conversations justice um but I don't really know of any right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's just kind of going about that, about this sort of motivational conversation in a different way, isn't it? Giving your readers the opportunity to feel empowered by the subject and the words around it, rather than, like you said, than being floating in this vast ocean of, of random comments, mansplaining, societal norms etc it allows them to read that stuff and just be able to read it and feel something into it I guess yeah yeah I think um and, and there's a real safety in that too um mm. you know a few months back I, I went 
through something very, very difficult in my personal life. And uh, I wrote about it because that's how I process. And uh, I absolutely would not have written about this thing if it was a blog situation, right? If it was out open um, for anybody to read. Um, It was uh, very personal. It was very traumatic what I went through. And I wrote about it on the edition of the newsletter that's behind a paywall because that felt very safe for me to do that. And I have to say, um, kind of the gift and the curse of it was so many women who who read that got in touch with me and said, oh my God, I've gone through the same thing. And it's the kind of thing I would not wish on anybody. I would hope nobody would go through it. However, uh, it's the kind of experience that in and of itself is very isolating. And so to have had that experience and to be able to share that and write that and have kind of really the the heartbreaking revelation that so many other women have been through this experience, but they um, felt such connection and sisterhood with me in that moment. Um, And a few women emailed me and said, oh my God, I'm I'm going through this right now. Um, And this was like, wow, okay there's a connection there and and there's some of those women I'm still reaching out to occasionally now. Hey, how are you doing? How are you coping? Like, um, and so it's just, again, it's like just sending a smoke signal of like, you're not alone in this thing, you know, Um, but it's something that I wouldn't have talked about in the, in the public sphere. And obviously I'm being very elusive right now in in what the (laughs) issue is I know. Um, But that's partly because it is, it's, it's very personal, but, um, but being able to write about it in that space um, felt very safe and yeah. it provided something for for a lot of the women reading it right yeah yeah i remember there's um there's somebody that i follow on instagram and she was very open about uh the fact that she didn't want to have kids and she'd mentioned it on uh, on her public platform a few times and completely left herself open to like you said the comments that range from the oh you'll find you'll find a moment when you change your mind um to people really slating her and saying you know there are these stages of being a woman and you should be at this stage and you should do this and it's your duty and blah 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 believe that you're you know and and I remember thinking it was incredibly brave of her and I mean who is going to take up the mantle to have these conversations in public like whoever does it is incredibly brave because she continued and and went into hospital and was sterilized actually because she didn't want to have birth control anymore you know filling your body full of drugs etc um so she went and got sterilized and she's in her late 30s so you know there's still a possibility of kids and she was incredibly public about all this and oh my god some of the things that i read on her posts you know that people that just so negative she must have been so strong to not read them and not get drawn into feeling incredibly depressed about herself after read some of the stuff that people were writing so I completely understand why this kind of conversation needs to be had not behind closed doors but in a safe space definitely particularly yeah. if you want to get in touch with you about it yeah I think well I've I will never not be amazed at how invested people can be in other people's wombs. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
mind-blowing to me yeah. that anybody thinks they should have any kind of opinion about what someone else chooses to do with their body is mind-blowing yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, so kudos to that woman for, for putting it out there. Because And also on the flip side of that, I can only imagine from the medical profession, the fight she would have had to go through to get her tubes tied. Yeah. Which no would have been a fight with the doctor because the doctors are all kind of like, hey, you might change your mind. And I've heard of women yeah. who their doctors have absolutely flat out refused. And, you know, um, it's horrendous what women have to go through to just have autonomy over our own bodies. Yeah, yeah. And it's also, it's, it is a really triggering conversation for a lot of women, you know, it's kind of, th- th- this shouldn't be a fight. We should be able to do whatever the hell we want with our bodies. Um, and I think a lot of times that, you know, people who are leaving these comments, it's, I want to say <laughs> misguided on their part, I want to say it comes with the best of intentions. Uh, but I think the reality is it, it oftentimes just comes from a real place of ignorance, you know, and, and not being able to, to view things from someone else's perspective, which um, unfortunately is uh, what the internet has done, has um, made everybody believe that they are entitled to an opinion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because it's a free space, isn't it, where anybody anywhere can have any kind of a discussion. And at the same time that people are allowed to post their openness about wanting to be or go, actually going to be sterilized. It's also the space where people are completely open to throw around their negativity about that, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I guess even though it was supposed to be social media it's probably made us a little more antisocial yeah. in a way that like some of the things that people say on social media i think would you say that to somebody's face oh they absolutely would not like, one thing that i just you know the cowardice of it all um, yeah again it's kind of mind-blowing but um, exactly yeah it's but just, that- it's polarized us a lot i think exactly and it's really taken us away from the idea of being connected i think that when I think about my friends groups, now I live abroad and, and you know, you think, oh, we've got this amazing thing. We've got Facebook. We can stay connected with people. And, and it doesn't happen. You don't stay connected with the people that you knew when you when you move abroad. I mean, you've moved abroad, so I don't know how you're you're faring with that. It just seems to be an entire minefield of hugely opinionated people or cats. Or something like <laughs> yeah, accurate. Pretty much what it is. That sums it up. Sums up the internet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Huge opinions and cats. And you know, I even remember a few years ago, my friend and I did a little experiment to see um, how many likes we would get on our Instagram. I can't even remember how many years ago this was, but instead of posting photographs, you know, with some sort of motivational message, we were like, let's just post a photo of the cat and see where that goes went crazy <laughs> loves cats so you know you you win instagram if you post things about cats basically yeah, yeah. but anyway i we've we've basically had a huge conversation about not what i intended to talk about oh okay sorry we got sidetracked <laughs> it's not your fault but this is a this is what happens sometimes we stick to the rough questions sometimes we don't stick to the rough questions but i guess we can lead into it kind of nicely Talking about trolls on the internet, I got I got into a huge situation the other week with somebody who was being um, incredibly, incredibly negative 
about um, a, a yoga person from America called Jessamine Stanley. Some of you might know her. Right, she's so good. She's brilliant. And um, yeah, there was this guy that was being so negative about the fact that she'd been put on the front of a magazine. Um, the, I can't remember the magazine, but the subject being um, the new face of fitness. And there was this huge debate going on about whether Jessamine Stanley, who's a large woman, but absolutely fantastic at yoga. She does the splits in a, in a moment, you know, great hips. Um, this guy thought that he had the defining opinion on, as we've said, the subject, which was fat versus fit. She's too fat. She can't be fit. I know everything. I'm a man. <laughs> anyway <laughs> that's the subtext of most male com comments on um the internet i feel <laughs> but this is actually what we were going to talk about so i guess it's kind of a lead-in via social media because again in your in your newsletters you're hugely motivational as you've said in your classes about anybody any size any shape any gender any age can come to your classes. This is, even though your newsletters are directed to women over 30, 35, you're hugely motivational about what they are, who they are, and the fact that they need to recognize their superhumanness. Um, and this is another, this, this fitness and fat thing is another aspect of of society that seems to be avoided. Both you and I are working in a world where it's like, you know, there's a certain look. Fitness yeah. has a certain look. And um, fat and fit, they're, they're really not intertwined, are they? If you look at the research, body size has not got anything to do with your fitness level and your health. Right, right, yeah. Um, and it's just, it's been a gradual change. I mean, I've, I've kind of been on board this kind of train of, um, especially for, for women, of it not being about what you look like, it's about how you feel. Um, that's always been my approach since I got into fitness. Now, with that said, I absolutely had some preconceived ideas about bigger bodies mm. that were not nice. We are socialized to be fat phobic. We are socialized to believe that these bodies are less than um, and that they take up too much space, literally and figuratively. Um, so I had to do some unlearning of my own on that um, and have some difficult conversations with myself about that and how I un unknowingly um, and, and perhaps unintentionally have discriminated against bigger bodies. Um, in my my life and within my fitness journey but I tell you nothing will unravel that perception of bigger bodies not being fit than being overtaken in a half marathon by someone who would be classed as clinically obese mm. right so where does my theory go then yeah right? yeah I have yeah. the theory of like you know uh, fat people or bigger bodied people whichever term um, people are most comfortable with uh, if 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 we've been shoved that narrative the whole time, like fat bodies can't be fit. Well, uh, newsflash, a fat person just overtook me in a half marathon and killed it. Like did a, did a way faster time than me. So yeah. 
again, I had to do some work on unlearning that narrative myself, right? Because I'll be honest and say I absolutely held it. I have most likely um, at the very beginnings of my fitness career said some not very nice things, right, about bigger bodies and been playing into that narrative myself that, you know, um, you can't possibly be fit and active and look this way. And I'm quite happy to say I was completely misinformed on that. My opinion has completely changed um, over the years. Um, I have worked diligently to make the spaces that I teach in comfortable and welcoming for bigger bodies. Um, I have to say I'm, I'm a UK size 12. And I, I'm going to preface this by saying I am aware I have an athletic body, right? Um, but that has not always been the case for me. Uh, I'm five nine, um, so I'm tall, and I've always had a somewhat slender body. Mm-hmm. But I'm a size, UK size twelve, and I've absolutely have had moments where I'm a bit chunkier. I would never have been classed as quote unquote fat or bigger bodied. I wouldn't necessarily have been put into that category. However, within the spin studio that I taught at, especially as I was in my you know early to mid thirties. Um, I was the oldest instructor there and I was definitely the biggest, uh, you know, I've got cellulite on my thighs. I've got like, you know, wiggly love handles. And I made a point of riding in my sports bra all the time because I don't have a six pack. I've got these, you know, wiggly bits on my sides and you're going to see my cellulite through my leggings. And I made a point of doing that. Um, at times I would feel uncomfortable when you're on your period and you're bloated and you, you just feel like, I'm, you know, <laughs> people don't expect me to look like this in this space. Yeah. I'm the point of having my belly out there. I want, you know, this is life. I'm a woman. I have periods, my belly bloats. Like it is what it, and I want, I do that because I want other women in the space to be like, this is freaking hot in here. Take your top yeah. off if you need to, you know, like this yeah. is a space where you should be able to do that. I don't care if you've got wiggly bits and your boobs are bouncing all over the place. Like we welcome it. You know, it is what it is. And I want women to feel comfortable to do that. So I work really hard to create those kind of spaces. Um, and again, it's a, it's a constant learning process. And so, you know, we were speaking um, before we jumped on here about a, a post that I did on Instagram about bigger mm-hmm. bodies on bikes. Yeah. Um, which I did partly because um, uh, I was running some beginner classes uh, in my studio and I had um, on a few occasions um, women in much bigger bodies coming to do these rides. Um, and I, I really pay attention during the rides as I'm teaching and I'm really watching the room and really seeing how everybody is reacting to what I'm asking them to do. And as I'd be looking around the room, I think, you know, these women in these bigger bodies physically can't do this thing that I'm asking them to do how can I change and adapt and make them feel not disheartened by the fact that they can't do this and how can I get them to a space where doing adapting slightly or doing something slightly difficult makes this a more comfortable experience for them right so I'd kind of been just picking up on this and noting this noticing this myself um And it just so happens uh, a girl, um, Kelly, who comes and rides with me quite often, who is a bigger bodied girl, um, she just at the same time coincidentally reached out to me. um, And because I did a post about correct bike setup, right? Just for everyone, what your correct bike setup should be. And she reached out to me. She said, I love that post. And she said, but can I just make a bit of a suggestion? If you're in a bigger body, 
those suggestions don't really work. And I said, I love that you've opened the door to this conversation. I said, let's go to the studio. Let's meet at the studio and we'll just jump on the bikes together. And I want you to tell me what feels good. Let's talk through like what the best bike setup is for someone in a bigger body. Let's talk about what moves feel good and what moves don't like, and eternally grateful to Kelly, who is so comfortable um, in her body um, and who self refers to herself as fat, right? Um, For her being so open to having that conversation and to essentially to teaching me right? How, how to better handle that. Um, yeah. what shift, you know, cause off the back of that, you know, something that I would not have realized not being in that body, um, that, you know, for example, if your handlebars are lower and you're in a bigger body, it's really uncomfortable because your belly's in the way, right? right. Um, if you're having to lean forward like that, your belly's in the way. And if it, once you get your legs to pedal in, if your thighs are hitting your belly and then you've got bigger boobs, like it's just uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's the fix for that? Well, let's just raise the handlebars up a little bit. So you've got better posture and it lifts your tummy up out of the way a little bit, right? These are just very kind of matter of fact conversations. Yeah. Um, and the, the feedback that I got on that post from people who are in bigger bodies was just like so great. And they were so like, thank you for making these suggestions. And now I'm way more comfortable on the bike. And I just, I mean, really it's all thanks to Kelly, right? Like she opened the door to that conversation. I just helped to facilitate it, but um, it was a real educational point for me and for the rest of the instructors. And I think it's got um, where I teach rival, we're part of, a company called R Studios and we have five studios that all do different disciplines, right? Mm-hmm. So I teach the spin one, but we've got a studio that does Pilates and yoga and bar. And we've got a studio that does strength. We've got a studio that does boxing. And so for all of the instructors, it really got all of us thinking of like, how can we be more of a welcoming space for bigger bodies? Because that's who's training with us. No matter yeah. what your body size, shape, we've got people who would be classed as extreme athletes with like, you know, 2% body fat. And then we've got people who are obese, who would be classed as obese, right? Who are in bigger bodies, but they come and train like an athlete. How can we make these spaces inclusive for everybody and welcoming for everybody? Um, Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's huge for us. And I think it should be a mandate for the whole fitness community to just get on board this train and get out of this really ancient way of thinking that your body has to look a certain way in order to be fit. Um, I'm going to give the example of, I mean, Jessamine Stanley, excellent example. I'm also going to point to Lizzo. Lizzo, who gets an incredible amount of shit online for, um, yeah. for just being who she is. Um, and I have to say, you know, it absolutely cracks me up that it's most of the time men um, and some misguided women who will, you know, give her shit for like, you know, you can't possibly be fit. Have you seen this woman's stage show? Yeah, exactly. My God. Like, and unless you are an actual Adonis, um, I would like to see you try, right? Yeah. The majority of these people would never be able to do what she does on stage yeah. um, in a million years. Lizzo is fit. She trains. She posts yeah. videos of herself. She trains hard, yeah. right? Um And I think her body is wonderful. I think what she does with her body is wonderful. She is fit. She is active. And so you don't get to make an assessment on people's internal organs by looking at them, right? So this 
this whole fake kind of concern for people's quote unquote health is absolute bullshit. Call yeah, it what yeah. it is. It's fat phobia. You do not like the way these people look. You are uncomfortable with the mm. way they look. And it's really confronting for you. Yeah. Have that conversation with yourself. I really wish people would just take some time to be less reactionary and just sit with like, why does this make me so uncomfortable? Yeah. Why does this person's body make me so uncomfortable? And sit with that thought for yourself and figure out what it is. I know I've done that. And um, and I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying I don't have more work to do on that, right? Um, we, But it's a constant process. We're all growing. We're all learning. We're all unlearning things as we go. Um, and for me, I guess just the more I get into this fitness space and understanding that, it, sure, it, it's great to train your body, but, but for the vast majority of people at this point, they work out for their mental health. Um, everybody should have access to that. I don't give a, excuse me, flying fuck what you look like walking through my doors. If I can elevate you to a space where you simply feel better in your mind and your body, welcome. That's where yeah. I'm at. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That doesn't matter on size or shape or color or gender or anything, does it? And it's a real shame that, I mean, plenty of, of fitness instructors, personal trainers will welcome absolutely anybody into their classes when it comes down to it. But again, it's about, about the kind of narrative that goes out there in the outside world, isn't it? Really about what we see in terms of models or going back to journalism, your earlier career, you know, models and editorials and features that are around products or whatever. Um, I've seen people criticizing in the yoga world, like many brands. Um, in fact, one of my guests refused to talk about the brand that she's an ambassador for because they've been slated for this, but um, body size, body image in their advertising. And, you know, it, it's the advertising and marketing that doesn't embrace a kind of rainbow of people mm. perpetuating this idea that people have to be thin and pretty and what have you. And I've seen many advertisements criticized by yoga teachers because people who are doing poses, shall we say, for these yoga brands aren't necessarily doing the right yoga poses right. and you could just pick somebody that can actually do yoga rather than just your newest skinniest model you know right. and it's right. just this narrative that it's the look rather than the feel or the history of the of the the practice or or whatever that's kind of perpetuated in mainstream media isn't it rather than what trainers like you are actually picking up on and doing in the studios i think it's yeah, absolutely yeah absolutely. it's a real still happens we need more i can't remember what magazine it was that jessamine was on i can't remember it was a couple of weeks ago but i'll find it and i'll try and repost it and then you'll probably see all my ramblings with this guy on there as well <laughs> I think to, to your point about um you know the bodies that are being used in advertising etc i think you know my one of my main pushes right now as i'm the creative director of the studios that i work at um and I mean, this was partly my remit as well when i was at boom cycle was um, i'm a huge believer in if you can't see it you can't be it 
And now that we do have a lot more bigger bodies coming through the doors, if you are working at a studio where you are making a point of being very welcoming and inclusive for those people, you will start to be seeing those changes in the, in the body shapes that are coming through the doors. Um, a, a huge thing for me is like, I want everybody to be represented on an instructor level too, right? Mm -hmm. So when I was recruiting at Boom Cycle, it took me forever to find a big girl, right? Uh, a bigger bodied girl to, to be on the bike. Eventually my last group of people who I trained there, I had a gay man, a woman who was 54 and a big girl. And um, so it, you know, ticked a lot of my diversity check boxes, uh, yeah. but, but it's important because especially I love to see older women as trainers um, and older men too. So important because we do not stop moving our bodies once we're over 40. Right. Um, so it's really important to have representation in that. Um, but I, I really want there to be more of a push. And it's something that I'm actively working on right now to get bigger bodied instructors. Um, yes. So that um, bigger bodied participants in the class feel seen and feel welcomed. You know, something that yeah. I'm working on at our studio at the moment is to have um, BIPOC only classes and to have LGBTQIA plus only classes because I feel, you know, to be inclusive, sometimes you have to be exclusive, right? To provide safe yeah. spaces for, for certain groups of people who may, who historically have not felt that. I think it's important for them to have um, safe spaces where they feel seen um, and they are reflected in the instructor. Um, and so, yeah, I think just, yeah, going back to your point about um, representation in advertising, et cetera, it also has to be done on an industry level, right? We kind yeah. of, every studio, every fitness facility should be getting out of that way of thinking of like, you have to look a certain way to be able to train people effectively. It's absolute nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's about representation, isn't it? And it, you, you find, kind of find that sometimes you're in this perpetual cycle because like you said, you couldn't find anybody that had done the training to become an instructor because they're probably all feeling a little like, taken aback by wanting to join the studio so the search yeah. becomes added to get those people to come well, in and yeah. just historically not having seen anybody who looks like them in those positions yeah. so feel yeah. there's kind of a well not so implicit um message being sent that this is not a space for you right yeah. um, and so i mean i am really actively trying to work against that myself yeah. Um, and I know for a fact there's fitness spaces when they're hiring and, you know, it's very much all done on the way that they look. You know, that's a huge, hugely important factor. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not saying it's irrelevant, but I guess I'm coming from it from the reverse angle now of like, yeah, it's important how you look. Are you from um, an underrepresented <laughs> community? Because that's yeah. who I want within my space right now, you know, um, to, yeah. to help others from from your respective communities feel um welcomed and encouraged and included um so it, it matters what you look like from that perspective right um, yeah, yeah. able to to uh kind of send a signal to others in in your community that they're welcomed in in your space right um yeah i think we have a lot of work to do as an industry to to make progress on that yeah, but I mean, basically, props to anyone who's going to get on a bike in one of your classes because I can't do that. <laughs> so wherever you're from, yeah. what look like if you're on a spin bike for a sixty-minute class, please tell me that you do sixty-minute classes. They're not nine 
50 or anything crazy no, like 45, 45 minutes. Right. I I tried spin a few times and no. You know what? I would just say you went to the wrong class. We'll get, you know, we'll get you into a good one and it will change your life. <laughs> but God knows what my thinking about the fat versus fit thing. Like I'm, I'm a similar height and build to you. I think I'm about five, nine and I'm probably a size 12, but like God knows what my cardiovascular fitness is like, because if any of my fitness friends are listening to this that I used to train with in Leeds, they would know as soon as I broke a sweat, I was like, no, I need to stop now. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> any moisture, any moisture anywhere? No, sorry, stopping. Yeah. You know, and the thing being a yoga teacher is that you always give people that checkout opportunity. If it feels too much, take a rest on your yeah. mat. Yeah. Believe me, I am there at the back of the class taking a rest on my mat as soon as I feel like the ashtanger is getting too much for me oh that's hilarious I love it I, sometimes I wish that people wouldn't give me that checkout option <laughs> but actually get some cardio fitness going you know get yeah. my heart up because it just doesn't but um yeah I need to be forced to do cardio so um Maybe I should try and, if anyone's listening who's in Copenhagen and knows where we can get these kind of classes, please tell me because I want to do it. Um, but it's not a very Danish thing to do, I don't think. Anyway, um, Bangs, we've kind of come to the end of our time. Oh, this was so nice. I've enjoyed this chat. Thanks. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. And um I can't think of what else I actually wanted to ask you, but I will make sure that um, I connect everybody with you online. Um, what is next for you? What, what's coming up next then? Uh, oh, well, I've, I've just taken on this role of creative director at um, the studio. So that's like, it's a pretty big gig. Um, so I'm being kept pretty busy with that right now. Uh, obviously still teaching alongside that. I'm training also right now to be a Pilates instructor. Oh, uh, because, yeah, I'm really looking to diversify my own um, practice and just kind of uh, accepting that as much as I'd like to be, I probably can't be, you know, 60 on the bike doing the same thing that I've been doing all the years. So I'm just trying to take care of my own body in different ways. So I'm really enjoying um, digging into that practice right now. Um, and yeah, I guess, uh, you know, I just I moved here to Canada in May of 2020 and it's obviously been kind of a big carousel of uh, pandemic and lockdowns and opening back up again and then restrictions and lockdowns and, you know, as the rest of the world has been also. Um, and so I guess I'm just in a space right now where hopefully if things, if we do see things ease up a bit at some point this year, of really just trying to create a life for myself here now, you mm -hmm. know. Um, thankfully, my parents are, are here as well. They We literally live 10 minutes down the road from each other. Um and just kind of creating a life for, for myself and, and looking after my parents and um, yeah, just kind of seeing where life takes me. I have to say I'm, I'm in a really good space kind of energetically and emotionally right now where I'm just really passionate about what I'm doing, really enjoying what I'm doing. Um, and yeah, just kind of hoping to um, get to the space where my life feels a bit fuller outside of all the work stuff, you know, because I haven't really had the opportunity to um, just because of, like I say, restrictions and lockdowns and things to do, you know, I, I love salsa dancing, haven't had a chance to do that because of lockdowns, etc. Right. So I kind of just want to like, um, continue to build my life in a meaningful way here. Is yeah, yeah. 
general plan. Yeah. 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 I know that feeling because I moved here to Copenhagen a couple of months before you went to Canada. And um, yeah, it's, it's great that we've managed to retain our work when some people haven't, but I'm, I'm reaching out into this more creative me kind of stuff. Stuff that's me rather than work really starting salsa classes next week. I'm very excited about this for you. <laughs> very, very excited about this. I'm going to be following this journey. Um, but the thing excited. is, everyone that's listening, like this, that last few sentences is exactly why you really need to tune into Bang's Instagram and the newsletters or whatever, because even in the middle of a global pandemic, you've relocated to the other side of the world. And not only that, but you've got yourself a creative director job. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I kind of lucked out on that one, I think, yeah, just, I'm a very driven person, you know, when I put my mind to something, I just, I'm like a dog with a bone, and I just go after it. Yeah, precisely. Anyway, we'll wrap it up, and um, say hi to your parents from me. I will, I will, they always (laughs) ask about you, so I definitely will, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I actually know Bangsy's parents from way back in Leeds, and I must say that your mom and dad would turn up. It was when I was working in arts marketing and your mom and dad would turn up at these events a little bit like a sort of modern, edgy, retro-inspired royal couple. (laughs) Your mom was all like earrings and attitude. I remember standing with her and getting a full breakdown critique of a ballet that we watched. She really didn't like it. Um, and your dad would just rather politely be there in the background with a pair of pressed pants and a turtleneck and his designer specs, just bringing us wine, you know. Oh, that sounds like Cat Campbell, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they're wonderful people and unsurprising that, that they're your parents as well. Thanks so much for giving us your time this afternoon. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure. I really appreciate the chat. Yeah, and hopefully I'll make it to Canada soon to your class. Or you open studios here. Yes, I'll put that on the agenda. Yeah. That's on the agenda for next year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get around to it. Well. Oh, thanks for listening, everybody. And um, if you've got any questions or comments or anything, let me know. I will post um, much more about banks and more, more of a motivational quotes on the Instagram page as usual. And tune in next month and find out what we're talking about then. See you. Bye. <laughs>